This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Still more of that 827 sunshine. But in this case, Nema kind of shows us that even while talking about pretty serious subject matter, there's still a lightness and ready laughter, never really willing to take herself too, too seriously. At one point, we have to agree that one of the hardest things about being an eight is being able to detect fakeness. It would be one thing if we could just detect it and let it go, but it drives us a little crazy. And we both express a lot of gratitude that that's just not something you're going to find in eights. So listen in to another big dose of genuine eightness bathed in sunshine. Hey, how are you? This is the first time I've done this. It's exciting. So why are you extra special today? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I've been in therapy for like the past several months. And that on top of being a mental health therapist and then just dealing with some shit <laughs> with socially. <laughs> I, I mean, it just kind of came to the surface today because I'm I'm tired. I'm actually kind of exhausted. It's good. It's good. We're here. <laughs> well, and also some of the good stuff comes out when we're overtired. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You know, that kind of maniacal laughter where you just can't stop. And yeah. You, yeah. I kind of like that feeling every now and then. Okay, first, I want to hear like right off the top why you yeah. just instantly were like, yes, this is so my tri-type. It was the energy, but it was almost like this like nice energy, but still mm-hmm. like, ooh, you know, like oh, I do. Kick, a real kick. It's definitely got warmth to it. That's why it was cocaine sunshine. Yes. (laughs) You guys are warm, like very, very warm, but it's blazing warm. You know, it's not just like a mild heat. (laughs) It's mothering jazz hands. (laughs) That is, yes, that's accurate. I like mine better, but yeah, there's just this extra enthusiastic warmth. It's like enthusiastic kindness, enthusiastic everything. And it's overwhelming, even to ourselves. Yeah, do you feel like you're riding, you're like on a ride and you can't get off sometimes? Kind of sometimes, yeah, for sure. Like I have to, I'm just now getting back into working out after a long sabbatical, the first I've ever had in my life from working out and realizing it's almost like, I think that's where some of the extremism would come in because there's so much, there's already a bouncy of energy with type eight, but Mm -hmm. I feel like my tri-type, it's like, I feel like I'm going to explode sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And once you have kind of provided that enthusiasm relationally, expect it. And so it's like not okay somehow to be, have downtime. And to me, to be mild, like I've heard seven say that where because Mm -hmm. they present so big often when they're having an off day or they just don't feel like it, people are like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And then I feel like because of the field I'm in, it kind of gets rid of some of that. Whereas if I wasn't in this field and hadn't been in it for a long time, it might be a different story. Well, that's a good segue. Why don't you just go ahead and well, how about you tell us about you? Okay, so I'm first generation Kenyan American, Southern. So I grew up with three brothers, my mom and my dad, who are the ones who came over here back in 86. And I am a mental health therapist. That's not long term career goal. But that's what I got my master's in my undergrad of psychology with a minor in English. 
here we are. I work in a high school, like a Title I high school. It's really fun with these kids because it's such a high trauma school collectively. So okay. I can just be straight up and direct with most of them. And mm -hmm. they're very comfortable and or prefer that, which is just like, whoo, I have freedom, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, they're not delicate little petals. <laughs> no, they are not. And I love it. <laughs> that would be so difficult, not just as an eight, but just your job to have to be delicate. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's easy with certain clients. At mm -hmm. some point with some of naturally more gentle ones. Yeah. If we've been doing the gentle thing for a while, I get to a point where I'm just like, and now I'm agitated. Let's just get down to brass tacks. Yeah, no kidding. So. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I'd have a long tether for that. Well, how about your eight journey? How did you figure that out? I want to say five plus years ago, someone had brought it up to me. And, you know, like when I was an undergrad, this was back, I graduated 2011, the like ESFJ, whatever, Myers-Briggs was still huge. And that was like mm -hmm. the, the trendy thing at that time. Yeah. But then soon after that, someone had said something about the Enneagram. And for some reason, I guess I just thought that was way too trendy for me. Yeah. And so I put it off for years, like yeah. just in the last two years, did I come across it? And I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is the first time people are really telling me something that I didn't know, but it's completely true. So you did the digging on your own then? A lot of digging. I have a lot of books. I kind of went deep dive because I realized, oh snap, this is calling out some stuff and helping me understand myself. And I've been, I mean, I'm in the career of self-awareness. Okay. Know, so, yeah. and so it taught me like more about me that tapped into a lot of things. And it was mm -hmm. just like, okay, well, if this is good for me, then I need to like really get after it. First Were someone called it. And I know they're not okay. supposed to, but she turns out she's in the like anger gut triad too. She's a one. Yeah. And I, and she was very well versed already. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, gosh, it's just so too obvious. Like, I could never be mistaken for anything else. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and do you find now that you know when you have, um, do you call them clients? What do you call patients? Yes, I do call them clients. <gasps> okay. Do. So do you find yourself sitting across and you just know you're like, oh, gosh, it's one of me. I see you. I see that you're an eight. <laughs> Yes, I've only had usually girls. So I make three years, like finishing three years of this job in June. And in the last three years, I've had three to four clients. And this is, we have huge caseloads because I work for the state. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there's been three or four where it was like, after I learned about the Enneagram, I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this is why we have such this easy but and I have easy bonds with other clients too of other types, obviously. But like with the eight, and then you're also a woman, yeah, or a girl, technically your teenager. But yeah. it is just so the mm -hmm. essence. I don't know. It's crazy. It's the same baggage, right? It's the you can see them carrying the same garbage that yeah. you carry. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I've been yeah. finding that too lately. I can just spot them so quickly. You can see the mushiness under the layer of toughness. It's so quick to spot. It makes me wonder how quickly other people spot it or if it's just eights that can see eights that clearly. I don't know. I don't think other people spot it as fast. I hope not. I, I, mean, I don't want them to see the mushiness yeah. <laughs> or the tough act anyway. It's just 
I don't know. It's just an honor. It's, it's fun walking with them. And usually we also have similar trauma. So I'm just going to be straight up. I'm sorry. But my significant tra- trauma is like sexual abuse trauma. Some of it, like there's one now where thankfully I'm in my own therapy and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like I would have to leave an hour after our sessions to decompress because I would have I would be struggling to focus. Okay. I would be like some things were getting, you know, triggered. You mean you're addressing it with someone else, but it's triggering you because of your own stuff? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And also yeah. because that client is an eight. And oh, it's, gosh. Yeah. It's the mega combo. So, so it's like yeah. telling me all of this stuff. And also I'm in the most deep of my healing journey in my life. Like I've been in therapy several times. Yeah. But this is the one where it's like, I keep on saying like, God had this be like, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, I have a bit of that in my past too. I talked about it on the podcast where I had, and I think it is very eight to do this. Our identity is such that we can't easily absorb or accept that it happened to us because we're too tough for that. And mm-hmm. so I had, I had rewritten it or perhaps put it in the recesses of my mind, but a doctor Mm -hmm. had abused me. And um, I think I rewrote it really quickly, almost even as it was happening, I was rewriting it as no, this is, this is just protocol, or something. And it wasn't until this Enneagram journey that I finally looked it in the in the face, and absorbed that I had been victimized and i hate even the thought of like victim right like oh yes and of course like it just undid me messed with me so much i think it's the eight way right do we rewrite it or we don't look at it or i don't know yeah exactly i mean and that that just sounds terrifying terror is the word that comes to mind but only in hindsight like in the moment when you're in it it's like oh you know what unlocked it did you ever watch the documentary on nasser who totally messed up all those gymnasts i think i watched five minutes and i was like nope it's brutal yeah it's brutal (laughs) but it's what unlocked it for me because just like you i was watching it and suddenly i was them and i was like why am i reacting like i'm them wow like i'm the girls and that's when i realized it's because i've felt what they're feeling right now it's the mind Mm -hmm. of being like but he's safe he's a doctor yeah and what's worse is there was a nurse in the room and she was party to it she was acting like she was the um uh, the buffer so yeah. that she was protecting me but she just watched it happen isn't that awful like i know the first person i want to kill is the person who's doing it yeah. but then i'm almost more angry at the person that watched it a woman a woman yeah. i know anyway girl i get you i get it <laughs> yeah yeah i get it um okay well let's let's move into some lighter things okay uh, <laughs> What would you say, like, if you were to describe what it feels like to be you? I would say it feels like fire. Yeah. It feels like fire, and then it also feels like water. It feels like a river, and it feels like flame, and it feels like the two trying to get along without diminishing one Mm. another. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like. It feels like I want to be soft for you, Mm -hmm. and I am, but I also, like, so I'd feel, it feels like that. It feels like a party that you just always want to kind of party and just have fun and dance and just soak up all the life out of everything around you Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you find that the the seven and and the two are in tension are they fighting each other or do they work together nicely some tri-types are at war with 
their parts. I don't know if this is one of them. I don't think it is. I think they kind of fit together. Um, so that's what I was asking. Yeah, I, I feel like it does. I feel like it's a good flow for the most part. But also in recent, you know, since I told you that I'm in therapy right now, there's stuff that's coming to the surface that's just like, whoo, where a little bit of that, that too is kind of getting squashed down a little bit. <laughs> mm, okay. Like, Have people done a good job of describing how they perceive you or along the way? What are some comments people have made? Does it line up with how you perceive you? I think in some ways it does, but in other ways it's like, oh, but this is the part of me that because I so don't want to make you uncomfortable and I want you to feel loved and comfortable and safe in my presence, Mm -hmm. I'm actually squashing some of this, some of these parts of me. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences in the last, it's so weird this past year. Like I had three conflicts with women in three months like consecutively and that never happens i could like i could not tell you the last time in my life that's happened and it was exhausting and most of it it had to do with either they were not self-aware or they were self-aware and just didn't want to be vulnerable with me Mm. or they were projecting yeah it was one of those three scenarios and Mm -hmm. each of those girls and they were in the same group it was a group that i was a part of for a long time And I'm still dealing with the ramifications of that where God's been like, actually, it's just time to move on for this from this group. Mm -hmm. But I am actually grieving Mm -hmm. because I removed myself from it. I was like, I can't do this. I'm in this place where God has me healing Mm -hmm. and being Mm -hmm. honest with myself. And if you're not going to be a safe place for this, then I'm I'm out. That's what sucks is that I can't be honest with them because they're not being honest with themselves. And it hurts like a motherfucker. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but it does. Is part of it that you're starting to do the therapy and so you're starting to let your full self out and that's why um, you're coming into these conflicts is because people were expecting you to be a certain way and you're not reining it in or what do you think it is? I think part of it, but what I noticed is I'm pretty, I'm really social. And so Mm -hmm. there's other, so I watch these patterns and I self-evaluate and I noticed this conflict was only happening in this group. It Mm. wasn't happening in my other groups and other friends. And so for me, I'm like, oh, this is a collective problem with this group and what this group has become among the girls. But I still have stuff I need to work on. But yes, I think part of it was that with the healing, what you were saying more of my true self was coming out and more of where like I can no longer make apologies or pretend and I didn't even realize I was pretending before or else I wouldn't have been doing it. I, I didn't even realize it. Oh yeah. It gets really messy before it gets better. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's, it's really true. <laughs> and there will be losses, but then after the losses, you're kind of left with the people that were always going to stay anyway. And it's, Ooh. it is for the best. You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a purging. It hurts, but It's kind of important. The Favre quote, we've established you're positive, action-packed, high energy, all the things. But where she says the tricky bits can come in is that it can limit your ability to self-reflect and fully be yourself when you are always amped up like that. So we kind of touched on that a little bit. Do you find that because of your seven, which avoids pain, and eight, which is denial do you find that you dance around things that are uncomfortable and put a spin on it and kind of avoid really looking square on at things that hurt i don't think that i 
I, mm. <laughs> this is a tough one. Okay. I'm going to, this is going to be a, like a three-parter. I feel like. Yes. Go. Um, so I struggle very recently. It's with time, like being in therapy or whatever, where my therapist will constantly say, you're in your head. We need to stop. Like you're too much in your head. And she's <laughs> right. And I feel like that's my way of like, oh, I, I'll hyper-rationalize to make sure to problem solve. One way is like problem solving something to death when it can't just be solved. It was just a shitty thing and it yeah. happened and it wasn't fair. And now you're dealing with the consequences of it, even at 32. With other people, I'm very careful mm. about like I, I read people well. And so I will figure out a way like what is the best way and when to approach this person and not just be happy, go lucky, and we're just going to ignore stuff. I wouldn't say that I ignore stuff too much. I will say when it comes to people that I think are either like really fun or hardworking, I make a lot of like, I forgive a lot of things maybe more than I should mm. or just not confronting them. Cause I'm like, Oh, you're fun. Or, Oh, you're like really good at whatever you do. So I'm just going to ignore this other stuff. Yeah. So I just interviewed another eight, two, seven. And she said, it's not that she like dances around with like this blind hope or blind yeah. cheerfulness but she there are pits that she knows are inside her and she yeah. just is avoiding them <laughs> yeah that makes sense and we all have different pits like yawning abysses inside and um wow. and some are better at avoiding them and they use different methods and the 827 would use activity and cheerfulness and you know yeah i feel like god also has me what's weird is just my career and what he's had me in for a while Right. Of where I'm more forced to look at things right in the eye. And also my perfectionism comes out. I was raised by, come to find out, my dad is type one. I adore him. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom's a type eight. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We, there's a lot of us. There's a oh lot of us gosh. with eight mamas. I want to hear more about that because oh, ones yeah. are my worst nightmare, but obviously eights are like the best. So <laughs> what, was, what was your dynamic with both? My dad. Oh, let me tell you about my dad. There was a person, it might have either been you or Aaron, but mm -hmm. there was someone who kind of described their dad as like, looked at them with basically rose-colored glasses. My dad, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so and he was a dad. two. So I wonder okay. if your dad did have two in him. He is the gentlest, most sensitive, you know, doesn't like confrontation, but mm -hmm. I can talk to him about stuff and he will be like, you know what, I thought about this and you were right and I have to apologize. I cannot speak more highly of him. Of course, he has his flaws as we all do, but mm -hmm. he, so I think being with a type one dad who it was just, it didn't feel like it was super rigid. It felt peaceful. He's very special. He's mm -hmm. very special. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how about your mom? Oh, my mom. I hope I don't cry, but who's, let's see. We'll see what happens, right? I've been there. I do it this every time be I exciting. talk about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom... Like, it was weird because growing up, I always felt like we are close. But I think she both loved my relationship with my dad. But I think she always hoped that we, her and I would be even closer. Mm -hmm. And there was now looking back, because I, I really think our tri-types, I don't know what her tri-type is, but it's very different from mine. And, you know, she grew mm -hmm. up in Kenya. She grew up poor in the beginning, ended up getting a PhD in the state. Like, 
she's badass. Mm-hmm. And she was the first of 11 kids growing up on a farm in Kenya back when they were, when they were poor. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, very different, but there were things where we always like understood certain things with each other. And I think it was the truth telling, but she struggles with the den- denial to self, I guess that we <laughs> ate well, that with. Comes with the, well, and that generation, right? Yes. Our parents' generation was not taught to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had to come up with a lot of compassion remembering that. Thank you for saying that. I've had conversations with one of my, my childhood best friends, Christy, who's nine wing eight. We can't come to find out. It's like, this makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about our moms and how it's like, we have this language of self-awareness and all of this stuff. And they didn't have that. And so my mom now in the last few months, there's been so much healing where we're seeing each other. And I know like she knows that I see her in mm-hmm. a more deep way. And it is the most beautiful thing. And, you know, she, we would talk and I'm like, mom, you know, dad and I are really, really close. But you, I'm a writer, by the way. But you're the one I always end up writing about. Like yeah. all my poems, my essays, like the core stuff, it's, it's about my mom. Like a lot of the best writing, it's about her. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind her, like, ah, oh, it's just beautiful. So, yeah, I, she is incredible you know she used to say and i wrote some about this in some of my posts my instagram posts i would get upset because my dad would be sitting there he's like you know you and your mom are a lot alike you know i I wouldn't say no Mm because i think i knew that we were in certain ways but because i was like free spirit and she was a little she's more like hard sciences like probably understands math and like all the mechanical stuff really easily and mine's like not that Mm -hmm. and um and I'm a little bit more free-spirited in certain ways. And so yeah. I felt like I couldn't. But then when I would say that to mom or when he would say that around mom and I was there and she'd be like, no, you're more like your dad. And it would hurt me. And I didn't tell right. her that until recently mm-hmm. because my mom was like the one I really admired and respected. I respect and admire both of them in different ways. But for her, she was strength. Yeah, And I wanted to be like my mom. I didn't say that, but like looking back, I wanted that affiliation. And so when she said that, it kind of hurt me a little bit. And then this last time we had a conversation within the last three or so weeks, she said, she said, you know, Nema, I just, I, I can't explain it, but I just always love the underdog. I just have to fight. And I was like, just <laughs> she, knows, she knows nothing about the Enneagram. Right. And I was like, I was like, mom, you know, you and I are a lot alike. And she was like, I think yeah, I would have to agree with you. I was like crying mm-hmm. on the other end, but had to like, you know, put, get it together quickly. I don't need so. <laughs> Oh, I know. Enjoy it and dig into it. I didn't figure out um, Enneagram till my mom was already gone. Mm-hmm. It just kills me sometimes. Just to realize, like, all of our points of similarity, Mm -hmm. there's a name for it. There's words for it. There's there's reasons that I now have that I would have loved to be able to chat with her about. And and I can't. And I can't. So there's been a lot of, like, um, almost having conversations with her in my head. Yeah. How do you grieve that? Initially, it was full body screaming and like just yeah. the full thing. But then it was a year of completely cold for a year, essentially. Yeah. And then it's like, because I was so intense in my grief, 
Yeah. I actually managed to come out of it faster than my siblings. I would say after a year, I was able to, it's like the sunshine came out and I had perfect clarity and I was able to really start to work through wow. everything. Whereas my siblings, it's kind of stretched on and on and on. Yeah, it's just very interesting. And the only one who dealt with it head on. I'm just very grateful for the rapid head on way that eights do things because I don't like prolonged sufferings. Yes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I d even did that efficiently. <laughs> yeah. Parents say, eh? oh my gosh, they are the biggest imprint and stamp on our lives. So yeah. it really is worth exploring and digging into like how they shaped who you are and all that stuff. So painful as it is sometimes. So let's dig in a little bit to the seven and the two and just how that shows up. Would you say that one of those shows up a little more for you? Do you lean more into one of them? Oh gosh, it feels so split. I do think that I lean more into the two, but the seven, I just really love having a good time. Oh, I for sure. <laughs> really <laughs> like it. Yes. Um, but the two is just like, I love giving gifts to friends. I mean, if I was wealthy or even just made more than being hired by the state, the state being South Carolina and that being a poor Southern state, yeah. um, yep. I would be, I still find ways. I, but it's like for the sake of, I want you to be happy. Like I want right. to give you this gift. I want for you to be happy. I want for you to feel seen and known and loved. It said several times when I took the test, it was like two wing three. And so with that, there was some stuff when I read over certain tri-type things for eight, two, seven, and the two wing three. Within that, I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yes. Like basically ulterior motives. Have you been willing to dig into that a little? Because I actually have this underlined here. So I wanted to talk about it a little. You uh, you can ask whatever you want. I know. I, Honestly, that, that killed me. This, ugh. Yes. Realizing that um, eight, two, and five, they're essentially giving something like it's a service in the world to get something. And it really, really offended me initially. But then, yeah. um, well, I don't know if you read the last thing I posted about the my daughter's friend. And I watched her and I was like, she's an eight. And I saw her doing it. She was trading her strength to fit into the group. And it was like her service she could do was to protect her friends, to make sure they knew that, you know, if bullies were around, she was going to take care of them. And I watched her doing it to make sure that she had a place in the group. And oh, I, I think like, I've that, done that. Right? <laughs> so that's what eights do. And yeah. then the two does the same thing, but it's they help and they give. So their generosity and they're helping. But if you let yourself peer into it just a little bit, it's, it is genuine altruism. It is. There's no doubt. Yeah. But there's a little bit there that has to do with making sure that you're secure. Like it, there's like a security aspect that imagine showing up to someone's house and not offering help. How does that make you feel? Uh, oh, and I'm also Southern. I don't know how much you know about being Southern. Right? It's You're like, like that. that's it. I I can't <laughs> offer anything. And so I guess I'm a piece of garbage and I like Oh <laughs> gosh, yeah. And if I like and it's okay if I'm for me, I'm okay when I come to your house of not like I'll offer to do the dishes and do other stuff. But I'm at least going to be bringing a, bring a drink, being like a bottle of wine or something, unless it's people that it's like we see each other all the time to where your family. But even then, yes. I don't really like coming empty handed, but not that I feel like I can't, but why not bring something that we'll all enjoy, which, you know, <laughs> there is. Yeah, there's just something worth thinking about. Like, could you show up empty handed and you would be enough? 
and you would know that you'd be enough? That's the question eight with two has to ask. And you could ask it in an extra hard way and go, if I showed up and I wasn't offering strength and I was completely raw and open and empty handed, would I be enough? My friend Angelica, we became besties, met in New Orleans, and then now we're living in Greenville and she's a type eight mm-hmm. and her husband is a type nine. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to their house, it's like, I am safe here. There have been times I've come empty handed, but yeah. I love them so much. They're family, basically, that I always want to give them things. Like, sure, I, always wanna, sure. I always want to bring stuff because I just love them. So, right. Yeah. So, so those aren't the relationships that are going to reveal you to you, though, because they're safe. So yeah. the question is, in the ones where you aren't safe, can you still show up empty handed? And like, you know, and not, I'm not initially. I often ask myself a year ago, am mm. I more able to walk out into the world with less armoring? And I know I'm going to be okay. And I like that my answer is yes, overall. And it has to do with my relationship with God. He's the one with the massive wings that we're nestled up against, right? So we got that. But yeah, those are the questions I ask, you know. Okay, so let me see. Not initially. In the beginning, no, not initially. Because I think, and before I learned about the Enneagram, I didn't know this is what it was. But sometimes I can see how people perceive me. Other times I can't, but usually I can. Or I've been trained in my mind. I've been doing this since I was a child. Like, oh, this is what you do to where people are going to like you and your energy is not going to feel like a tidal wave (laughs) where they're choking on like to where it'll kind of make it just, oh, we're on we're on the the side of the beach and things are okay and the wave is (laughs) crashing, but it's a safe distance. So I think initially I feel like, okay, yeah, I've got to prove what I can bring. Mm-hmm. That I am valuable in this way because I'm thinking you're not going to feel and I can sense I can sense when someone loves me immediately and yes. sees me immediately and I can sense when they're just not sure about me yeah. and I can sense when they either don't like me or I'm off putting. And for me, it's like, but if I like you and I've decided I want you in my life, you're mm-hmm. going to be in my life <laughs> and I will do whatever I've got to do because if I see you as valuable, then that means you're gold. Why wouldn't I want to have gold in my life? But then if you don't, I don't care. If I don't like you or I don't see you as as valuable, this sounds terrible, but I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. and I don't see you as valuable, I don't really care. I don't care if you don't like me because it's just... That is very eight. It's really interesting. I have a friend, she's either a two or a three. I think it might be a two. Um, And we were talking about the the very big difference between an eight and a two is we will genuinely will have our hands held out to pretty much everyone who walks into our life for for a second anyway we'll have we'll have our warmth and we're open we're available but yes if we decide this is going nowhere or if we decide this is just not our scene or whatever we're done it's like that's okay i don't need to everybody to be in my life that's okay i got my people we're good yep but there's something about a two, three energy that mm. wants to conquer everyone. Like they're really hot and bothered if they can't befriend everyone and be liked by everyone. There's like a really essential thing that bugs them about that. Whereas we don't care as long as we have the people that we care about. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Now, if there's someone that I really, but this doesn't happen often, where there's someone who I really value and I really want to have in my life. And then it turns out they don't 
like me. Oh, I guess it's happened in like male relationships where I was into them. Yeah, that's yeah. where I felt it. But uh-huh. outside of, yeah. outside of, I can't think of many times there was someone I truly like when I was in junior high and I was at a new school and honestly they were snobby and this was back during the days when you had to have that Abercrombie and Fitch in American school. <laughs> and if you didn't, and you know, my parents were frugal and so I had to mm-hmm. save up babysitting money and then go to the back of Abercrombie and Fitch and find the shit and you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was mm-hmm. tough back then. Like I was not easily accepted, but I remember immediately there were two people and I came in in sixth grade. What a wonderful time for us all. <laughs> and there were certain people I didn't care about where I was like, I know that you're technically popular, but I don't really see you as qualified. Yes. But yes. there are other ones who were either unpopular or they were popular, but I was like, no, but you're good people. And I yeah. wouldn't say that. I mean, I was in sixth grade. I wouldn't use that language then. Yeah. But I literally prayed. I was like, God, these are the friends I want. Yeah. And it ended up happening. And I think I gave too much credit to God before when it was like, Nema, you figured it out. That's you right. You figured out what to do. <laughs> Found a way. I think that is the two-ish superpower. So oh. there's something magical about the two that it's like you can speak the language of, of want and need and you can meet that in someone else and it attracts them to you. It's really powerful. And I don't even take manipulation out of it. It's not about that. It's very pure. And it just means mm-hmm. that you, um, I don't like the language of manifest. But there is something like you make it happen. You make it happen. And it's really powerful. And I've seen it at work. I don't have it. I don't have it before alienates me from people. Okay. It means that I get lost in the wonder of my own internal life, but I don't know how to make other people come into it. If they come in, it's because they came to me and and I was enough somehow. I do not know how to assess, engage, and then go about getting something. It's just not in me. So anyway, I'm just putting words into the gift that you have. That's what two does. It finds a way of, of putting together the perfect pieces that attract something so that you get it, you attain it. And that includes people. And uh, I mean that in the purest way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it kind of makes sense as to why, why I love interviews. <laughs> I love them. Question. Have you ever been very aware that people have found you like a little overbearing and too much? Oh, for sure. You know, one of my childhood best friends, but we're no longer. I'm sure she'll come back around eventually. We'll see. <laughs> but she, when we were in high school, she would only say, she only said this a couple of times. So it's not like, oh, she was saying this all the time. Like it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. But she would say, Nema, you're a bit much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, of course, you know, and looking back, I'm like, of course. Now I know what I know. And I was a teenager. <laughs> like, I, like a lot. Yeah. That, like, it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I can sometimes hear that. And it's a lie. But then I also think that there were times I was definitely being a bit much, you know? Right. But was she wrong? I'm not right. sure I can say that. Well, I mean, in a sense, you've got the double push, right? Because eight's an aggressive number, seven's an aggressive number. And then two also, in a way, moves forward to offer help. So you've got a whole lot of forward going on with not a whole lot to pull you back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Thank you. <laughs> This is very healing right now. Oh, good. Like if you, Joe, I'm telling you, if you saw the post that I just made today and it's about the thing that I was talking about earlier with the friend group because I'm Mm -hmm. reprocessing it and I'm like, oh, you're actually hurt by this. Like you were hurt by it. 
And mm-hmm. when was the last time, Nema, you were genuinely hurt by a friend in this deep searing way? And it was like undergrad, 12, 13 years ago. Because right. so, I do things, and I don't realize it until lately, I do things to avoid. Like, I will self-evaluate myself to make sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot of perfectionism. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of it. So I, like, will self-evaluate and make sure, like, okay, let me try to, especially with the people I love. And so when when I'm not able to be perfect in some of these social, social situations, mm-hmm. but also where I'm also being honest and I'm telling the truth, and it has these kinds of consequences mm-hmm. where I'm, I might be self-exiling, but that's also some of my control over the situation because I can already see what's happening. This is me putting the power in my own hands and choosing to leave. This could be a really key moment for you, actually, this pulling away from this group, letting go of the control, perhaps, and choosing, I don't know, does it feel like rejection? Do you feel like they're rejecting you or are you the one walking away? I feel like they're rejecting me and I know okay. I'm the one who chose to walk away. Okay. But I still feel that and my ego, but my ego right now, it's rearing its ugly head and it's like, who do you yeah. think you are? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what do you think that this is not going to have consequences for you in the future? Because mm-hmm. one day you're going to want me and one right. day you might even need me. And I'll be too far gone. And it's ego. Mm -hmm. It's pride. Do you know, one of the most important things that happened was, well, isn't it always so much church trauma goes on in life of people who do church? But especially for eights, I think. I'm just going to say. It's probably really interesting trying to fit into a group of people that think you're supposed to conform into a particular thing. And I remember the moment we decided we had to leave a certain church. It was it was yeah. time. Holy Spirit was saying, let's go. It's time. I am telling you, kiddo, I, I release you. It's time for you to go. Because yeah. I would yeah. have stayed and I would have been loyal. I wouldn't have left. And he's the one that said, it's time to go. So I said, wow. okay. And initially, when you leave and there's that much hurt, I blame them. I for sure was like, they were trying to smother me. They were trying to pull everything I am and snuff it out and all the things. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really mature healing moment when I realized, oh no, it's both. Both things are true. Being me meant that I was doing them a disservice by staying. That's also true. Because for me to stay after having realized that our family needed more was going to be for me to stay and keep fighting a fight that they didn't want, that they were never going to, I wasn't going to win that fight. So it would have been me putting all my force of my eightness on them to try and get them to see something they aren't ready to see, don't want to see. And it was causing more disruption. So it was actually a kindness for me to leave. Joe, that is, you're describing. Does that feel right? You just found a way to succinctly say exactly what I was doing. (laughs) So there's grace in that. There's so much grace. There's grace for you because you now realize, you know what? I'm being called out of this. It's best for me to be out of this. But there's also grace that you can give them because you're realizing you're not doing them any good by staying. So it kind of softens things a little bit, you know, did wonders for me to realize that. Oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you so much because that's such a gift that you just said that. I don't think anyone else would have been able to use this example from your life. And that is literally exactly, thank you. 
Well, I'm really glad we got this, actually, because I think this is an eight issue that can go very wrong. So because we are more than most locked into who we are, right, there's like a natural confidence and a natural, it could be a problem to dig in further into who we are, maybe more than some types. Um, What can happen is we're only seeing it from the vantage point of they're getting us wrong. It's on them. Right. And that is so dangerous. That's so dangerous. And if we just stop to realize that who we are is so very powerful and so very intense and has its place, and then to realize that that means that we don't fit everywhere in a way that's helpful, then we can just kind of let things go once in a while. We can just let them go and we can move on and we can go bring our intensity somewhere new and bless that space, right? But we don't have to stay. We don't have to stay when we've outgrown the box or when they've kind of finally reached their limit of how much of us they require or can take. (laughs) And that's where my two wing three comes out is like, no. Like that's where it really, it feels like. You don't want to give up. Yeah, there's one out of the three. The other two, I'm like, okay, one of them, it's like, that's not even an issue. I don't really care. You're great, but I don't really care if you're in my life or not. Yeah. But then there's one person where I'm like, okay, and I've basically told her in my own way. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't care if I'm not in this group, but I'm not letting you go. Like, this yeah. is non-negotiable. I told her I'll do whatever it takes to keep yeah. this one stable. Mm-hmm. The other two, not worth yeah. the sacrifice, in my opinion. So, yeah. I'm I'm beginning to wonder, do you know if you're social, sexual, or self-prez? Oh, yes. Social is the dominant. Sexual is the secondary. And self-prez is, is the repressed. But this is the thing. The secondary sexual is a very close. This close. sounds like a sexual problem. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Oh, it's so close. Well, the reality is you stayed longer than I ever would have stayed because I I never did well in a group ever, 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 ever. Anything more than two was a problem for me. I remember finding myself in groups of three and that just fell apart in a hot minute. Um, It just never worked because I am blind to the dynamics. I don't understand them. They don't make sense to me. And so I could only ever really focus on the one person really. And so it sounds like you're having a dynamic problem, right? Like in the group, there is a dynamic that really calls to you. There's another one that's really toxic. And there's one that's somewhere in the middle. And so you're finding yourself in a position where it's better to tease it all apart and let go of some of them, which yes. would be very heartachy for a social who is... Oh, it sucks. It's Yeah. And it's and especially because, like, one of the members was not a member before I was. This is ego and pride all... You're going to have ego and pride all over this thing. Um, <laughs> well, we have plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just feel like you came in, and now I'm kind of kicked out. But then also, my rational mind is like, oh, but y'all live in the same neighborhood. You both have dogs. Hmm. This makes sense. Right. Especially in this season of y'all's lives. Like, this makes sense. But then my heart is like, no, I want this friend, the one that I really, yes. really care about. But it's yeah. going to be fine. Like, for me, I'm just like, 10 years in the future, it'll come back around for this specific friendship. But it will yeah. come around when it needs to. I'm sorry. Maybe this part of me, maybe it's denial, but I don't think it is. I think that's okay. It's- yeah, I believe you <laughs> because of who you are and because of what is like lined up in terms of the two and the seven. It's going to happen. <laughs> I bet you anything you're going to get that girl back. <laughs> it's too rare. It's too rare to find those people who you just you feel that pull towards. It's too rare. 
Yeah. So you just can't let them go. I get that. Okay, we haven't even touched on seven. It's like very obvious to me. The seven is like oozing out of you. But how does the seven show up? Oh, wow. I just threw this part, like a small party. There's there's a couple of bigger parties I've thrown. But I threw this small, like literally there were just seven of us, including myself, um, party this past Saturday. And the strobe lights or whatever, loud music. <laughs> There's multicolored. It was my Keens. I called it Keensay de Mayo because I love Cinco de Mayo for some weird reason. I'm obsessed with it. Sensory overload, right? It is. And it's that seven so- there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got like I ordered these multicolored, like huge stick on mustaches. And there were black options too, like black colored ones. Yeah. And I had I went to Dollar Tree and I well, now it's the dollar twenty-five tree. I don't know if you freaking inflation. Oh, it's terrible. So I went and I got like water guns and all this other stuff. I was like, y'all come prepared. This is actually a kid party. Ah, It was fun. And the music at a certain point, it's like the music can't get loud enough. (laughs) It just can't. Is that usually your role? Like you just get stuff happening? To an extent, yeah. And I mean, I I like fun people. So sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll get it started. And I'm just like, listen, I got your back. We're going to get after this. Fun should be aggressively pursued. (laughs) Right. I agree. Yeah, thank you. See, and that's where I know seven is my third, not my second, because I would prioritize depth and like deep meaning over the party, but it's there. It's always there. I get easily bored. I'm really restless. I I have it so in me. It doesn't outrank the fact that I'd rather sit down and dive deep, deep, deep into somebody. My job is all of that, digging deep, delving and all of that. And we still have fun. So then if there's a party, you're going to go all out. I am. But at the same time, if I notice someone's energy is off, if I don't address it, then they're going to end up getting a text from me the next day. Yeah, you'll pay attention to it. Yeah. Or within the week. That's on your radar. Yeah, it is. Whether or not I want it to be. It definitely puts a downer on the party. What would you say are the hard parts of being eight? Oh, gosh. This is the perfect time to ask me this question because I've got the answers for you, Joe. Yeah. Okay. I hate I hate that so many people, especially in America and Canada, y'all might do this differently. Mm-hmm. But in America, people can be very fake, especially women. I can't tell you how many people, mm-hmm. how many girls where I'm like, oh, you're angry. And they're like, no. And I'm like, <laughs> you should just start to cackle. <laughs> exactly. Like, are you joking? You should just laugh mind, in their face. I'm like, right. I was like, okay, now I'm uncomfortable because you're yeah. really angry yeah. and I know it. And you're mm-hmm. calling it by another name. So the lying that women mm-hmm. do in America and especially white women. Say also in the South, there's a veneer. Mm-hmm. It's a gloss that is yep. like under shiny lipstick. And, you know, and I grew up in a country or town like Russell, Louisiana, North. So I grew up in between these worlds. Like I grew up in a very white world. But I mean, like literally my neighborhood, my church, all of that. And it's mm-hmm. on top of that for most of my life. And there's this weird combination of this sass and direct to the pointness that you'd experience. Very direct mm-hmm. with a gentility. So yeah. it's interesting. And I think that's where some of my two wing three comes out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, where it's just like, I've been trained. So I, I think it's just that I feel like a lot of women specifically, in a, women in America, mm-hmm. where you're lying to yourself and yeah. calling it by another name. I can call out lies easily. And when I feel that, it's like my skin is crawling, especially now in this season I'm in. Like I can't yeah. handle it. 
Do you have enough friendships with eight women? And have you noted the difference? A hundred. If I were to describe my neck of the woods in Canada, there is something beautiful about it because we can go to a restaurant downtown in sweatpants and nobody cares. We can wear flannel, have a messy bun. There is something about us that's much more authentic, I think. Yes. And I don't know if it's the cold climate because we just freaking have to be warm. So we're going to wear what we need to wear Mm -hmm. or there's like a hardiness. But I like that about Canada. So my cousin married a Southern man. So she was a Canadian and she married South. He saw a girl walk by and she was in like root sweatpants and a flannel shirt. And he's like, well, that there looks like a Canadian woman. (laughs) I will own that. What I want to just turn to him and say is like, so you mean comfortable and secure in their own skin? Because yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That sounds great. Flannel all the time. I'm also jealous of your cold weather. (laughs) Southern and I love the South. Heat is not for me. What is your favorite thing about eight? It's like we can sense each other in a room. I get this girl, even if I'm a little bit off put by her, I understand her somehow. Frequency that I don't think is the same for other women. I love that. I love how there's this like intuition that we just understand. I love how we can boldly confront and get down to the root of an issue. And I love how we love hard. I don't know that there's many women who love as hard. I know I'm sure there are. I'm sorry. I'm being pompous, but whatever. I think that we love with all cylinders and more. We find more cylinders to love with. And just the power, just like you have the power to transform a setting. And so that's what I love. And it's almost like I see that picture of, you know, like I love action. And so when it's like a superhero or Captain Marvel, when it's just this huge light beam that just boom. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of see type eight women. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. But if we are willing to risk it to be loved by Nate, whoa, wow. Yeah. I know. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. Three words to describe you. Passionate. Compassionate. Sorry to use both. Oh, no. <laughs> Hot. Not like hot in the way I look. That's subjective. (laughs) But just hot heat. Okay, what's your happy place? Any place in water or someplace green when it's not summer in the South. What makes you cry? Action movies like Fury and Batman Begins where those scenes, that's where I can tap into those emotions. In any situation where someone is, this is so predictable, but where someone is just like raw and they're fearful, Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was in a, an airport in Lubbock waiting on my flight and there was a lady landing in Lubbock and she was on a wheelchair, like had to be wheeled out. She was like an elderly woman and she was just crying and you could hear the fear. And I like had to can't myself. handle it. It was too, it was too much. What is your favorite okay, thing so to have in the first N- half of the day? Nitro cold brew, nothing in it, black. What's your drink of choice at night? Gin and soda, not tonic, but just gin and soda with a lot of lime and a lot of lemon. What's your favorite color? Oh, I like so many colors. If you were an animal, what would it be? Cheetah. All day, every day. Uh, But I don't run fast, but in my heart. Do you have any tattoos? No, and you know why? Uh, If I start getting them, I won't stop. Yeah, I was just too cheap. That's why I don't have one. If you were a fiction character, who would you be? Oh gosh, I really hate that. I always go for the villains. I just connect with it sometimes. I would be Venom, but the actual parasite. Yeah. (laughs) 